This is the Danger Close Podcast, Beyond the Books, with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guest today is Ryan Steck. You might know him better as The Real Book Spy at therealbookspy.com, where he reviews and recommends books in the thriller genre, and he has a book out right now. Now, his debut novel, Fields of Fire, is out. Ryan Steck, here he is. Ryan, oh, are you going, there? Man? What's up, man? How are you? Oh, man, I'm so excited to be talking to you. How I'm you excited. I'm fired up, man. It feels like we used to talk more, like right out of yeah. the gate. And then uh, you've had a busy few years, and obviously things have gotten busy on this end with the, the show and a bunch yeah, of other I stuff. I think but. you've been a little bit busy, man. <laughs> it's been, so right before I ran in here, I was going through the house. We moved a little bit ago and I was running through the house and I was opening uh, closets and looking for books everywhere. And I'm like, I know I have fields of fire, but then in my head, I'm like, did Ryan send it to me so early that I just read a PDF of it. Thank you, and then and I think I have a copy because I've seen it everywhere, uh, on social media. Is that, is that the possibility? Uh, well, and I think that's one. true. I think that's it. Let me get you one. I, so well, I'm ordering, I'm ordering one. No, 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 no. I'm, or, I'm ordering one. I'd love to have a signed one, but I'll, uh, I'm ordering one too. If I didn't already do it, I'm pretty sure I ordered it the second I could, but, uh, I will confirm. Well, thank you. No, I want to send you a signed one too. We, um, the paper shortage was tough. Yeah. Didn't have physical yeah. copies. So I literally just opened these like 15 minutes ago. Nice. Nice. So that's not a galley. That's the actual this is the hardcover, man. Nice, man. Congratulations. That is awesome. In that moment where like, well, you, I mean, you, you know how they always tell you with your first one, they're like, you're going to get a little emotional when you open it. And I was like, no, I won't like, I've seen the galley. I wrote like, no, man, I opened it like that's 15 cool. minutes ago. And I was like, Wow, I gotta get locked in to see Jack. I can't be emotional. That's a <laughs> crazy feeling. It is. It is, and it doesn't change. Uh, at least for me, it doesn't. Like I'm so excited every time those uh, those show up. That first box shows up, and I slice it open, and it's uh, it's so cool to to see those in that hardcover. It's just different than seeing it in the galley, you know. It, like so, the galley, the binding is black. There we on go. The hardcover, the yeah. binding is yellow. Oh, so nice. Really what was it on the galley? So it's like it's black. Oh, nice. Okay. Yep. And then, so I just assume that's what the hardcover would look like. I get the hardcover and it's like, it's got this yellow. And I was like, wow, that really pops from across the room. Nice. Like in a bookstore. I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. And you have a lot of experience, uh, noticing what you like, what you don't, you know, what, what works, what doesn't from your perspective. And, uh, I mean, you've been like looking at that data for, for years now, but cover looks great first off. And for those that uh, don't know what we're talking about, as far as a galley goes, I learned what a galley was like when my first one showed up and essentially it's uh, it can still be a rough draft, you know, depending on how early it, it comes out, but it's uh, so it's not a hardcover. It looks, it's about the same size as a hardcover, but uh, it's paperback and it goes out to reviewers and uh, influencers and stuff like that in uh, advance of the hardcover publication. So on day one, there can be some reviews of your novel. So that's what, that's what a galley is. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I thought seeing the galley would be as real as seeing the hardcover. It's not, uh, holding the hardcover is a different, it's a whole different thing, man, as you know. So nice. It looks great. Yeah. It looks awesome. And then uh, what else do you have in the background there? What else is going on over here? You got some sword back there. 
Is that Rambo so, up in the corner? I can't. It's a little blurry. What's up there in that corner? Yeah. Um, so there's a Halo helmet up there. Okay. Um, there's a, so that's from Game of Thrones. Uh, uh, that sword. sword. And then this. So, so the cover of Fields of Fire. So there's a story with this one. So uh, my best friend in real life is a major character in my series, but he is not really introduced till book two. Okay. So for Christmas last year, um, he had the, the poster made and then also bought me this mini fridge behind me that is just loaded with Zoas and ghost energies and black rifle <laughs> coffees. And, nice. and uh, I had a little note that was like um, the hardcover blown up to poster size. So you remember how far you've come. And a post and a, and a fridge full of energy drinks to help you write book two. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. What's, what is the glow around this behind you? Is that an actual poster that you put something around or is that like a metal? Um, no, no, no. Cover? That's like, that's like real led. So, you know, I'm on Twitch now. I don't know if you know this. I don't know so, what Twitch is. What's Twitch? Yeah. I, I didn't either until I got on it. So it's like a um, platform to play video games. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. It's not right. That was my exact reaction. The first time I heard this, by the way. Um, and so like all these streamers have like really cool backgrounds. And mm. so, um, my wife and daughter did that actually. It's awesome. Yeah. So a Twitch, you, you watch people play video games and you can see them. <clears throat> yeah. 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 But like you're, re- so it's hilarious to watch your face with this reaction. Cause it's the same thing I had. So when I first heard about this, <clears throat> um, so, so my, my agent, John Talbot, really smart guy. Yeah. Yeah represents this guy named two lamb. I, I don't know if you know two or not. Yeah. We've um, met before. I don't, I don't know him, but I know who he is and we've met. Okay. Before. Super good guy. Yeah, so yeah, he's a like, character. He's awesome. Yeah. He's like the real life basis for this character in call wow. of duty Warzone. <clears throat> and so I had found out that tons of authors that you're friends with, that I'm friends with that I've covered, they play call of duty. And yeah. it was like shocking to me. And, um, I played like with my kids and stuff, but like never like, really into it and so like when i first heard of twitch i was like you know wait what is it like people watch you play video games and i was like that's so stupid like there's nothing fun about that i had to do that growing up because all my older cousins wouldn't let me play nintendo like yeah. i had to sit there and watch them it was the worst experience of my life like it was nothing fun about that and someone said to me well you know it's like a multi-billion dollar year industry and that yeah. got my attention and this is a lot of your fault just so you know because like <laughs> everyone wants to be jack Carr. Oh. everyone wants to be like the next author to break out it's so hard in our in our genre our industry you know that um and you're like the guy that came in out of the box and a lot of us so like there was no chance i was going to try to brand the same way as like i mean look when something goes down on fox news they're not calling me i'd rather <laughs> listen to you or brad thor or you know what i mean or, or mark graney get on there i don't want to hear me talk about that stuff so it was like what's the audience I'm going after. Hmm. And I was pretty fortunate to be a book spy. We did uh, 2 million unique impressions on that last year. So that audience knew me. <clears throat> so we were looking into like another space and this, this Twitch platform kept coming up. Okay. And there's not a single other thriller author that's already like invaded that space. Well, and don't tell, don't was, tell then, you know, right, that's initially like, my initial thought here is that it sounds like a fantastic way to miss a deadline. Is that's my initial, yeah. that's my initial thought about Twitch. Yeah. I, I was worried my publisher would think that too. I turned in book two, four months early to the day. Oh my four gosh. months. Yeah. Wow. I got it in early. So that, so that way, like when they saw me playing video games, two hours a night, they couldn't uh, be like, is Ryan writing? Like right. turned it in. I got it out of the way. Um, it's what I have learned is it's like half reality TV. So um, back in the days when Vince Flynn, who, you know, is, is my literary idol. 
and Brad Thor came up, they had this like relationship with readers that they fostered over forums. Remember forums back in the day? Yeah. So Brad Thor had like the forum and uh. Vince had the third option forum. And these, these readers felt like they got to know their favorite authors through interacting with them. Okay. So that's where they engaged before essentially exactly. social media. Exactly. Before Twitter and all that. I think this is like that 2.0. Cool. So it's not about watching me play Warzone. It's about coming and hanging out every night. Yeah. Every night for two hours, I'm coming live and you build this community. And I got to tell you, man. So it's been like the coolest. Th- I haven't been this oh, nice. excited about something since the book spy. Um, First of all, your biggest fan in the world, uh, his name is uh, Jeremy, but I renamed him Jace. Okay. Uh, so I call him Jace. Uh, he's your biggest fan in the world. Is, and, he on, is he on this Twitch thing? Yeah, yeah. He's in my community. Every night he's coming in and everyone's talking about well, Jace. tell him I said oh, hi. Oh, I, 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 so I promised him I would say hi for you, oh, which so is kind of awesome. hilarious because like, I don't think anyone comes there for like me. No one's like, oh my gosh, it's Ryan. They're like, hey, so do you really know Jack Carr? Do you know Mark Graney? And I'm like, <laughs> So, you know, but it's, it's about building this community and I'm getting to know these people, letting them get to know me. And I think there's like a, an intimacy to it that is really tough just on social media. Okay. And it's unfiltered, man. It's live. So you're getting, and then, and then, um, so my friend, Mikey, who's in the books, he plays with me every night and he streams too. So if you read the books and you like them, you can get to know the real Mikey, you know, in real life, which, um, so I borrow from, from real life. You know, I had to write book yeah. two and I was like, man, Matthew red, that's my hero. He needs like that sidekick like character. And, um, I had to create one. And so I just dropped my best friend in real life in there, man. He's the person I call, you know? And, and so, um, the feedback from my publisher, my agent was great. They were like, Brian, this character is so terrific. Like he's really well fleshed out. Like you yeah. did a great job with him. And I was like, man, they're going to think I'm like not nearly as smart when I tell them this is like a real guy. <laughs> I didn't make him up at all. Hey, no, that's uh, helpful. That's helpful. That's somebody you can so helpful put for in me. there. So, and yeah. And people have little idiosyncrasies, you know, and, and that now you don't have to make up. You're like, oh, that guy, you know, hates this or he loves this or he always does this. And uh, hey, that's, yeah. that's something that no one else has made up yet because made it, it's coming from a real person. So yeah, that's makes great. the dialogue so easy because. Yeah. I can hear him in my head, right? Like yeah. in real life, I know what he says and how he reacts. And that's made it kind of hilarious. Um, and I get to keep him in check as a best friend. You know, if he ever gets out of line, I can just kill him off and oh. I, I hold that over his head. Yeah. So that's fun. But yeah, this Twitch thing, dude, it's been so, so rewarding. Interesting. Um, so I am on, it's, it's twitch.tv slash uh, legit underscore Twitch is where I'm at. Okay. And two hours a night, usually five, six days a week. And I've had like an absolute blast with it. No way. That's crazy. That's awesome. So that's how they get to you there. And then they're in your yep. little space and you guys can hang out and play video games for a couple hours. Yeah. 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 So they interact with me. Um, and like the demographic on this, when you first hear this, you think probably like 20 year old, right? Like 18 to 20. Uh, nothing shocks me too much these days. So, okay. So that's <laughs> could not be more the opposite. Um, one of my mods is, uh, this guy, Shane, I call him box and, uh, he's a former Marine, uh, 40 years old. One of my other mods is a 50 year old, uh, army wife. Um, I have this, uh, one lady, Virginia, I think she works at like, um, a Michael's or something like that. And she's like, I think 60 years old and her only connection to video games. She told the story in chat one night, uh, her son, his grades slipped a little bit in college. So she went to his dorm room, kicked the girlfriend out, stole his Xbox and, and went home. 
And here she is hanging out every night. So this I, it's it's been a lot of fun, genuinely surprising, but really rewarding to get to know these people on a more personal level. Man, that's pretty cool. Good. Uh, good. Yeah. I mean, you have to get get creative. You know, you got to look at the space like you just did, and and uh, and look at it regardless if it's publishing or or anything. I think, uh, but just look at the space, look at the battle space, and then look at ways you can capitalize on whatever momentum you may have, and uh, look for gaps in the enemy's defenses, and look how yeah. you can adapt to a change ever changing environment. Um, so that's, that's awesome, man. I'm fired up for you and I'm fired up for the, for the new book. So, um, for those who don't know, you are the real book spy. And so realbookspy.com. go there, actually get fields of fire through that. That's probably the yeah. best way to go, right? Go to yeah, that site yeah, and definitely. click yeah. to wherever you're linking to, which I'm probably Amazon from there. And, uh, and that's the way for, to probably get this, uh, this first debut novel here. Um, but what was the path to, to the real book spy? Because you've been so awesome. And I gotta tell you, you know, out of the gate, um, your blurbs, uh, were the ones that even to this day stand out to me. I'm forever grateful. I know some people don't like being compared to other authors, but I, I, I think it's wonderful. I being compared yeah. to Vince Flynn, like you did out of the gate. I mean, incredible, incredible. So well, I'm always that, I, so I, thankful I, for that and, uh, and all your support. No, first of all, my pleasure. Thank you for the kind words. It's uh, covering you has been like what I would imagine it was like covering Vince right from the from the get go with with term limits, by the way, you know, a provocative uh, political thriller, yeah. a little bit like uh, in that vein of terminal list, yeah. um, which is hilarious to me because a lot of people are like, you couldn't write term limits today. And I'm like, you should probably go read Jack Carr's terminal list. <laughs> and now they watch it on Amazon and everyone's like, holy crap. Uh, yeah. And it's great, man. Um, yeah. It, it, so launching the book spy was because I'm so one of the things I've always respected about you as an author was you came into this a fan and everyone knew that about you. That's me. I was like the ultimate nerdy super fan. Um, so much so that you made it up your profession. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So, and I think most people just assume I was like a full on nerd with, with books. That wasn't actually the case. I was, um, a sports journalist for like a year. I covered the Detroit lions, which is painful because they're horrible. Um, and I struggled to write and to read a little bit. And I, uh, it wasn't until my adult life. I got diagnosed with dyslexia. Mm. So I remember I like, I went to the doctor, I saw like the special people that test you and they were like, you know, you should just start reading more read to, hmm. to get over that. So I actually went home and I Googled dyslexic authors and you know who popped up Vince Flynn, Vince Flynn, Vince Flynn popped up and I was like, well, I'm gonna check this guy out. I saw that he had uh, consulted on 24 favorite TV show of mine. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to see what this is about. Um, I actually didn't really get around to reading his stuff. And a few days later, I turned on the news and saw that Vince Flynn had passed away. And I was like, wow, that was crazy timing. Like, who is this guy? Like, and I saw so many people mourning that death. And I was like, I can't believe I don't know who he is. That night, I read American Assassin cover to cover. Okay. And that whole love for, for Mitch Rapp, for the genre started right there. I was a fan of like Chuck Box, a couple other authors. Um, I read the Mitch Rapp series in like a week and a half. It's like a book a day. I just, I couldn't go through it fast enough. And um, I was so insecure about like sports writing. I had stepped away okay. and I was looking to get back to that. Okay. So when you're a sports writer and you watch like a football game, 
you're you're typing and writing as you're watching it. You're writing right. your game notes, your story. Um, and you're taking notes. So it was like very natural for me to practice that. So I start like taking these notes on Mitch Rapp. Okay. And I'm I'm sort of like practicing covering him. It's so I mean, it sounds really stupid awesome. now, but like back then I was like, I gotta get my brain ready to go back to what I think my career, my profession is. Um and I became such a fan at that point, you know, I was like, I have all this like data on this Mitch Rapp guy. I'm I think I'll just like put it online and then I can practice typing and practice writing. Okay. And um, it was David Brown, your publicist, yeah. who uh, ended up finding that website. <clears throat> it sort of brought me into the publishing world and they hired Kyle Mills to take over. And the crazy part of the story is uh, if you know Kyle at all, he's like very detailed, 30,000 word outlines, notes yeah, everywhere. Right. And he had to finish Vince's last book, The Survivor. And um, he tells a story like, I signed on and I said to Emily Bessler and to the Flins, that's your editor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, send me everything that, you know, all, all of Vince's notes, everything. And he, in his mind, thought there was like boxes of stuff. Yeah. And it was like, they sent him three pages and it was the same three pages of the Survivor that Vince had put on his website. That was it. Wow. And so he didn't have all that stuff. And David, as the story goes, was like, hey, we know a guy. So they put me in touch with Kyle Mills. And um, I think it was at that point I saw how big the potential was for someone to come in and cover the genre as a fan. Wow. Right. That was sort of like, uh, it was 2013. And that was like the, the first time I thought there's no one doing it as a fan. Yeah. There's these literary websites <coughs> and they're great. Don't get me wrong. Publishers yeah. weekly gave me a, a great review. So love them. Love them. You know, big fan, but you don't know who writes that review. You yeah. can't, tweet back to them and say, what did you like about the book? Do I need to read the first book in the series? And so I saw this hole there mm. and I thought, you know, I'm going to go fill that mm. because there's so many people like me, like, like you, like us that love these books and these characters and they want to know more. And then they don't always know if I like this book, who else should I go read? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was 2014. I launched the books by and, um, I have to be honest, man, like it took off from day one. Like I couldn't keep up. I just, so that became my full-time job. What was your first uh, post on, on books by? Was it, uh, was it Vince Flynn? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which book was it? Uh, American assassin or did you go term limits or did I, um, no, transfer power? I, I went with uh, the survivor? Okay. Cause it was just, cause it was, <clears throat> cause it was right yeah. there. And I wanted to cover the fact that Kyle Mills come had out. come in and done such a tremendous job. Got it. I mean, I think often like, like as an author now, I think how terrifying that would be to be asked to write like the next Mitch Rapp like book, yeah. right? You know, these guys like, like, um, Mark did it forever with Clancy. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I don't know how they do that. Like I really don't. And so it felt natural to kind of start there, but, um, yeah, listen, I mean, it was, it, it, it blew up right away. They made American assassin into a movie and I was the guy that they all made fun of because, um, CBS films had like reached out when they were test shooting with Dylan O'Brien. And they were like, Hey, what does Mitch Rapp wear in American assassin? Mm. And I like just sent them a rundown and literally like 30 seconds later, I get a response, like a text from like one of the guys there that was like, you know what underwear he wears? And I was like, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not like making it up. Like Vince put it in the book. Like, you know, I'm not like, it's not like crazy fandom. Like, uh, but I said, if you just want to go basic, like blue jeans, black t-shirt, and if you go back and like look online, the very first photos of Dylan O'Brien test shooting for Mitch Rapp, that's exactly what he's got on. There you go. So, 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Influencing right away. That's amazing. I, I turned being a super fan into a career. I oh, think. good for yeah. you. And that's, that's, that's what we just talked about as far as looking at the, the battle space, looking at the space, um, and seeing what, uh, a gap. And that's what you did. You looked at the, a gap in the enemy's defenses and then, uh, adapted accordingly. Um, and now you have the real books by and people go there for information and, and, uh, and what, what their next read should be. And people trust you because you have that engagement with them. Uh, so that's awesome, man. And then what was your second one then? Did you stick with, uh, did you go back and talk about some other Mitch rap stuff or did you go and, uh, say, Oh, who, who, whose book's coming out next? Uh, I'll do a review of that. And how did, how did yeah, that yeah, roll yeah. from there? The, the very next guy. So I, owe. so, so we have this in common and I don't think you know this. Uh, I owe so much to this person. Uh, the first big, big author that bought into the books by was Brad Thor. Wow. Awesome. Had reached out, sent me. That was the first signed galley I ever got in my life. Hey, nice. Was Code of Conduct from Brad Thor. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. He had sent me that um, <clears throat> and was tweeting about it. You know, it was like, these are like really well-researched articles. Like, you guys should check this stuff out. And so, yeah, my very next, my very next post was about Brad Thor. Nice. And then it just rolled, rolled from there. Man, it just rolled from there. Yeah, I think. So Brad's got some juice, right? Um, and he tweeted that out and it was like every author in our genre had like reached out within like a week. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So you're most active though on Twitter, right? Is there a Facebook also? I'm not on Facebook. I mean, there's a yeah, Facebook yeah, account, yeah, so. but it just kind of reposts from my Instagram, you know, cause there's just too many platforms to, to juggle. I do the same thing with, yeah, I just repost from like my Twitter onto Facebook. Okay. Yeah. So most, but you are engaging on Facebook and or sorry, on Instagram, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. on Twitter. Jeez. Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, Twitter was where I've seen the most bang for the buck. Yeah. It's quicker, right? It's faster. Um, I like Instagram, but the challenge of sharing links, I think holds you back when you're, it's not about selling books for me as it is like connecting people with books. Right. Yeah. So I want them to like, check out this link, go to that link. Um, and yeah, so I, I prefer Twitter and it's where people can, I think like most efficiently connect. And, and again, this is what it was all about. Right. So like, I love the thriller genre. Um, I I've always viewed this as like when you watch the Oscars, which I don't watch the Oscars, but like the recaps of the Oscars, uh, I never have seen the movies that win anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they are. Yeah, like I'm like, <laughs> that's, well, but, yeah, you kind of like in publishing there, there, there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, cause the, the, the books that same. get, uh, you know, these, these literary works that, uh, get yep. all these great reviews or whatever like that. Well, guess who pays for them? Uh, Stephen King, James Patterson, yep. uh, Brad Thor, Vince Flynn, you know, those authors that we all know, uh, David yep. Dodachi, like those guys are paying for all the other ones that, uh, that just like the Avengers essentially is paying for everybody, every other movie yep. in Hollywood that no one has seen it's, that wins the so Oscars, true. you know? It's so true. My favorite movies are like John Wick, Fast and Furious movies, Marvel movies. And I'm like, why, why? So they make a billion dollars, but they don't win anything. And uh, it's the, it's the yeah. same is true with the thriller genre. Yeah. It's viewed the same way. There's so many similarities there. And um, that was another reason why I jumped into this. There's people that want to talk about these books. They want to share that with someone. You know that feeling when you read a really great book, I think one of our first instincts is you want to talk about it with someone. Yeah. You want to say, have you read right. this? Can you believe this? Did you see that coming? And so I got pretty fortunate. There wasn't like a one-stop shop for that. Yeah. Um, when, when the book spy came out, people sort of gravitated towards that. And yeah, Twitter was where the conversation was taking place. And I just sort of stayed, stayed with that platform. Okay. So 2013 first, first, uh, you call it a blog. What do you call it? Your first post. What do you call it? 
what you do. Yeah, man. I was like, uh, yeah. so my first, yeah, first it was like a, a blog post. I called it Rapology 101. Solid. So it was like everything you need to know about Mitch Rap before you read The Survivor, this first book from Kyle Mills. Okay. Um, and then from there, it started as like reviews, which by the way, I, I hate going back to look at because they were so bad. Like I, oh, I really? there's like an art to writing a review, you know, and I didn't uh, know that. I didn't know that back then. Um, they're so cringeworthy to me now. Oh, interesting. you know, are they still on there? Like can people yeah, scroll yeah, yeah. Or, or click something in the, uh, in the, the header on the... all the way back to like 2013, 14 and see those. And they're terrible. They're awful. Oh, I don't recommend it, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're there. And I would like to think I've evolved more as I've figured out what should go in to a review, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, the, the, the key is always, you want to get across what you like about it and who it's a fit for without giving it away, right. which is, you know, really hard to do. Right. Some people give it away in the first sentence and you're like, son of a, ah. you know, so my, my P-dub review. So my publisher's weekly review, uh, when it came in, my publisher, everyone was very excited. Like, Ryan's a great review. And my agent was like, are you, are you comfortable with this? And I was like, what do you mean? And then I read it and it completely spoils probably the biggest twist in the book. Oh, interesting. And I was like, um, yeah, like, first of all, I'd rather like have a good review where it spoils that than a bad review at this point. (laughs) And I'm kind of a bad review that spoils it, you know? (laughs) Exactly. I was like, and people will forget about it by then anyway, you know? So I found that interesting, but yeah, I think there's like a, an art form to writing a review and it can, it can be challenging. Yeah, no, you do a great job with it and it's so much, uh, so much fun and it's, and it's great for authors that get asked what, Hey, I love your book. What else should I read? Well, yeah. I can just say, go to the real book spy instead of saying, oh, this person, this person, this person, this person, uh, I can say, go check out book spy and you know, it's all there. So, uh, that's, so that, that it's very helpful in that respect as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, man. <laughs> You've always been really supportive. So I really appreciate that. And yeah. we go way back. I mean, I, so I read, uh, Terminalist before, like back when it had the orange and black cover. Did Dave, uh, orange and black, there was black and white first but it looked too much like a slasher film. I think I have a blog post about it very early on. If people go to my blog, you do, and go you do. All the yeah, way I, I have the there. bound galley where it's got like orange and black on it. Oh, interesting. Orange and black. Yeah. I was going to dig that out for this. And then I totally forgot. Yeah, I showed yeah. it off on Twitch one night. Oh, to nice. your biggest fan, Jace. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I showed that off uh, to everybody. So I, I remember when I read that, uh, and David Brown and sent it. I'm sure David Brown sent it mm-hmm. way ahead of publication too. Uh, you were one of those books where right away I was like, this is special and I have no one to talk about it with. Ah, So I would call David and like, this book is like incredible. And he'd be like, I know. And we got to fanboy it out, uh, before that book even came out. And then, uh, I feel like every year, you know, we, we had the, uh, I think this was like two, three years ago. I think it was right before COVID when we did like seven Instagram lives. Yeah. Yeah you were an Instagram pro. Like you like your Instagram <laughs> game is so strong now. Like it's crazy. Uh, yeah. It was for, was that uh, for Savage Sun? We did that one because it was, everything was I shutting so. down. We're trying to get a little creative about how we're going to launch this book in the middle of COVID. And it's really one of the first ones to come out as things locked down in 2020. Yep. Um, so yeah, April, 2020. So it was kind of, there's a lot of, a lot of questions out there about what people were going to do. Um, a lot of uncertainty out there in the world where people yeah. going to have jobs where, um, you know, how safe were they going to be? If you called 911, was someone going to show up? Remember all that? Then the initial yeah. hysteria in, uh, February, March, April, May timeframe of 2020. Um, so it was interesting time to launch a book and not go on a traditional book tour. 
And the publishers yeah. couldn't say, hey, what we did during the last pandemic was X, Y, and Z. And these were our lessons learned. There was nothing. Yeah. And essentially, I, I mean, I think I was really the first out of the gate uh, in April uh, and yeah. had to figure out how to do a tour virtually and, uh, and, and made it happen. So now it's interesting. Now the book tour is essentially a combination which uh, if David Brown is listening, makes it double the work essentially on the road because you're doing like the virtual stuff and you're doing the in-person book tour to say, because nothing really can take the place of shaking somebody's hand and thanking them um, for, for the support and getting the book and telling a friend about it and, and that sort of a thing. Yeah. But now you got to combine all these things. So all the things that worked during COVID when you weren't physically on tour, you're now doing at the same time that you're actually on tour. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I leave in two weeks and I have that exact problem. Nice. Um, so I was going to fly to Minnesota for BoucherCon, but my publisher wants me to stop along the way at bookstores. So we're going to drive. And oh, I nice. was looking at my schedule and I was like, I, I'm going to have to do half of these on the road. Yeah. So someone's got to go with me. And so now my wife's going and she's oh, going to drive awesome. the whole way. That's going to be and such a great I'm, memory for you guys. That's going to be such yeah, a cool I'm, experience. I'm really, I'm really psyched about it. Um, I really am. And we don't go anywhere alone, like ever. We, we have six kids. And um, one of my sons is autistic who really struggles if I'm not there. Like mm -hmm. I'm like, he's got a separation anxiety thing. So I got clearance from him uh, to go. And, and he's been super brave. His name's Ryan Jr. Um, uh, so like, this is like, feels like a honeymoon almost yeah. for us. Like we're really excited to like, just get out and hit the road, but yeah, I'm going to be riding shotgun, doing interviews and, and responding to stuff that yep. way. And mm -hmm. these hybrid releases, you know, um, I think they're here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. I mean, that's a really good, really a great experience for you guys. Uh, I wish I was going to BoucherCon for those listening. BoucherCon is like a, uh, uh, thriller writers conference fan fest, like combined, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it's it. It's like comic con for books, yeah. right? And it's so much fun. Bit. It's awesome. I can't yeah. make this one cause I need to, to write. Um, but, uh, next one, I think the next one's in San Diego after this one, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure I will make that one. And then thriller fest next year. And for, for those listening, thriller fest is, um, is similar, but they have a lot of uh, workshops attached to it. Uh, they have a really cool thing. It's like speed dating for agents. Uh, I'm not sure if BoucherCon yeah. has that or not, but we know a couple guys that have met their agents uh, that way. Um, Andrews and Wilson did. Yeah. And, uh, Simon Gervais uh, as well. It's true. Um, yep. And you sit down, so you have like two minutes or something, three minutes with an agent yeah. and you kind of work Super your way quick. through a room of 50 agents or something <clears throat> and uh, you get to pitch and you know, it's a, it, it's great. I think it's a great opportunity because people ask me all the time. Someone asked me yesterday on uh, on Instagram on a direct message. They said, Hey, I have this, uh, and they asked about a children's book. And they said, how do I get an agent and all this stuff? And I'm like, uh, um, my experience with that is, uh, is that they kind of specialize, uh, it yep. seems anyway. And, uh, mine isn't taking any more clients. And, uh, anyway, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, it just seems like everybody kind of finds their agent, uh, in a slightly different, different way. Um, so it's, it's tough. I don't know, but that seems like a good way to go. Like you won't definitely won't find an agent if you don't go and you don't do anything if you just sit True. there. Uh, yep. but you may, uh, if you go and you, you do the pitch at, uh, at BoucherCon during the, the speed day or sorry at, uh, at Thriller Fest, but I'll be there next I, year for that too. That's in May. That'll be next May for Thriller Fest. I do the same thing because, uh, because people ask me now, like, how do you get, how do you become an author? And I'm like, well, first thing you do is become a big fan and launch a website, you know, and like, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. I can take, I don't have like a, like a normal path. I don't think right. how do you get an agent? Um, well, they knew who I was cause I was a book spy, you yeah. know? 
Um, I actually got my agent because one day I was talking to Tom Colgan at Penguin about my book. And uh, he said, hey, before, you know, you can show that to any of us, you need an agent. And I was like, yeah, you know, I got to I got to figure out. And he was like, you should call John Talbot. I think you'd love him. And, and I, of course, I knew awesome. who he was yeah, of and uh, had already interacted with him a bunch. Yeah. And um, those are both I great guys. Them. You know, Tom Colgan, uh, yep. obviously legendary John, amazing guy. So you, I mean, what a great crew <laughs> you have to connect yeah, with. I mean, I was in, I was in good hands from day one, man. Yeah. I, uh, I reached out to him July 2nd uh, and he said, listen, I want to read this. And he called me um, middle of the day, July 4th. Okay. And I took the call and he goes, I'm so sorry to bother you on a major holiday, but I wanted to pick a date. We'd never forget. I have to, I have to have this. I have to represent it. I want to work with you and you're young. I want 50 books out of you. And, uh, nice. so I've never forgotten that. So every July That's 4th, cool. right before the fireworks, I text yeah. him and, um, and thank him for all that. So like, That's I don't cool. have that traditional path either. So I tell everyone like, just go to thriller fest. They have pitch fest there. Yeah. You can meet agents. Yeah. Our mutual fan, uh, Kim Howe, KJ Howe. Yeah. Uh, runs all that does a fantastic job. She does. But, um, but yeah, I think it, I think it is essentially speed dating for ages, like two minutes, which would be terrifying in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, how do you pitch yourself? And, and t- I was doing an interview the other day, man, and, and you'll appreciate this. So, you know, sometimes when you're live, especially radio and they'll go, we're like 12 seconds from commercial and they'll ask you one last question. Yeah. So they did that to me. <clears throat> Hadn't slept in like two days. I was wrapping up a bunch of promotional stuff for fields of fire. I was exhausted earlier in the day. They, they, my publisher locked in the title for book two. Oh, nice. And they said, go ahead and tell people you can talk about it. You can get it out there. So here I am. And, uh, there's, I'm doing this interview and it was like, Hey Ryan, we're, we're like 15 seconds out. Can you tell us the title of your next book? And I could not remember it. And it was so <laughs> embarrassing. And I was like, Oh, just say classified. I was like, damn, I don't, I don't. And so I was like, Unfortunately, I can't talk about it yet, man. There you go. Perfect. There you go. And so after, yeah. So afterwards I was like, I cannot believe that just happened. Um, And so everyone got a good laugh out of that. That's all right. It's uh, it's good. Actually keep it to fields of fire right now. You know, true. Uh, True. Um, And, and in my defense, book two and through a title change, uh, what, what we originally used was sort of deemed not great for the market right now, given some recent events. Got it. So um, they asked me to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, like, Hey, do you have a backup title? And I was like, Nope, it's pretty hard to come up with just a, a good first title. Um, so I sat forever and I can, I can tell you it cause I, I remember now, but it's called lethal range. So lethal range comes out next August. That's nice. book two. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. It's that helpful my, to have a running my, list of, uh, of titles of possible titles. That's I do uh, now. I have like 50 yeah. substitutes now. Yeah, yeah, I do now. Um, and, and I'm, I'm deep into like, uh, well, so my first book deal was for, for two books. Nice. Uh, I fulfilled that. So we're hoping the series continues beyond that. So I've been working on the pitches for like the next three. So I came up with titles. So I'm a little bit ahead of the curve, I think there right now. Yeah, you but are. <laughs> these are, these are, these are things that are like, uh, you don't think about as a fan, you know, uh-huh. comes up with a title, you yeah. know, and, uh, it's, and it's different. I've heard, you know, I, uh, I talked to Kyle Mills about picking, picking titles and he is, uh, he'll tell you that he's not good at it. And, uh, and no, he's and, not. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's, uh, no, he's not. Yeah. Uh, when they did order to kill, he sent in the power of one. So oh. I tease Kyle every year yeah. and I'm like, you lost your privilege of throwing titles out there with that one. Did he not you know, know that, that already? The power I mean, of one was not happening. Yeah. Did he know that uh, already existed in a couple places? 
Yeah. And it's still not a good title for a Mitch rat book. You yeah. know, I mean, the power of one was never, and I, it was, uh, am I, so I, my understanding was Emily was, was on a train or a subway somewhere and looking through a document and saw order to kill and was like, there it is. Nice. So <laughs> yeah, they come up. Yeah. The interesting ways I've come up with all mine thus far. You don't know if it'll always be that way or not, but I put a lot of thought into that title and I like to have them from the beginning, just so I'm not wasting bandwidth worried about it as I'm typing away, even though it might change eventually. I like yeah, to have yeah. it there. I don't like to have just book six. I like to have book six, the title, the theme, the little, little paragraph executive summary, like you'd see on the back of a, of a book and then oh, yeah. outline from there. So I like to have all that there, add the characters in there. So I like to have that that document, but I don't like to have a blank spot in any of those things, like a theme without like not having a theme uh, that drives everything. I don't like, you know, ha I have to have that. I don't like having a blank spot for the title, even though I know it's going to change for whatever reason, it just frees up bandwidth in my head to continue working on the book, making it the best it can possibly be not typing away thinking, Oh man, I'm worried about this title. I don't know if I'm going to figure out a good yep. one. The other ones have been so good. What if I mess it up? Like that's not there because there's something in the spot for title, even though it may change. Um, so I like to have all that stuff, uh, written down before I go, but, uh, what, uh, wh as you're doing books by, when mm -hmm. do you start thinking about writing your own book? Is that right from the outset? You're like, maybe one day I'll write, or does it come a couple of years into it? No, man, I always wanted to write. Like I always, I didn't know I wanted to be a novelist. I, I always wanted to be a storyteller. I just didn't know in what form that might look like. Um, so when I was in 10th grade, uh, we had, uh, I was in English class and we had a teacher intern named, uh, Shay Vanderstelt Wentz. And wow. she's so dear to me today. Um, but this was a long time ago. And she, uh, she came in and assigned this creative writing assignment where she said, you can do anything you want. You can swear, you can be right about violence. You can do, and, and, and this was like all stuff you weren't allowed to do in school. Mm. And she was like this young intern, very cool. And, um, like any 15 year old, if you give me an inch, I'm going to go two miles <laughs> with that. But I, but I took this very seriously. Like in high school, I was sort of the class clown. I didn't take it real seriously. And where all my other buddies were like, Hey, we get to go like drop F bombs in this paper. I remember going home and was like, really all about it. Like, hold mm. on, I need to flesh this guy out. Like, who is this character? I need to know them. And I was doing things back then, like setting a scene, really trying to get visual and, 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 show, not tell things back then that, that I, we do now, we know as authors that we have to self edit on <clears throat> sort of came naturally to me back then. And I wrote this short story called Maddie red about a teenage hey. vigilante named Matthew red, who, uh, saved his school from like an attack mm. and it was not good. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, I was really proud of it and I did not know. And I, so much violence, so much language, all the stuff that, you know, is a red flag today. <clears throat> I didn't know it was a peer to peer thing. So the next day in class, we had to pass them around and read each other's out loud. Oh, wow. I can still remember uh, the poor guy. His name's Trenton Hearn. He got mine Oh, and kept stopping. Like, I don't know if I should be reading this. It right. was so bad. And then she's like, hey, just keep going. Just keep going. The next day I get called down to the principal's office and I knew it was bad when I saw my parents there. Oh wow. And then the superintendent was there, the vice principal, the principal, and basically they, they had my short story and uh -huh. they were like, this is not okay. Like this, we went way yeah. too far. And I had the kind of parents that thankfully were like, what was the assignment? 
Yeah. Right. Before nice. we um, immediately assume yeah. it's something really bad. Oh, that's good. That's a good question the right there. Yeah. So they got into it and it was like, not a cry for help or anything that you would deem like, Hey, this is a red flag. As mm-hmm. far as like, it was like, it was like writing John wick before, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. like this action oriented thing. And so my parents were like, this is not like a big deal. And they were like, well, we disagree. So he suspended for a week. Oh, so wow. I got suspended for a week. And the funny thing is uh, my adult life. I was sitting around one day and I thought about Matthew red and I thought, where would he be today? What would he be doing? And that literally led to me writing fields of fire. The ironic thing is that principle is now the principle for my kids. Oh, wow. And I uh, saw him recently and got the chance to say, <clears throat> he's a great guy. You know, he's a great guy. But I was like, Matthew Red is the gift that keeps giving. I got a week off school and I got a book deal out of it. So <laughs> I think I won that one. Um, that's, so that's, that's like the principle I, from back to the future. Remember in 1985 yeah, yeah. and it looks the same back, back then, you know, it's the yep. same actor, obviously, but that's classic. Yeah. yeah it's like, like the same situation here. It, it really worked out. And so for me, um, and it's so hard, man. Like when you talk to someone, that's not a writer. I'm sure you go through this too, right? You're trying to explain your character. And I know you've been asked a lot. How much is James Reese you mm-hmm. and people that don't know me are like, Hey, how much are you? Matthew red is really you. And I'm like, very little, <laughs> like very little. Like I suppose if I was six foot three and a half, 265 pounds of muscle, that would be the side of me that you might see, but I'm not, and I don't have that <laughs> background. So, um, I think he talks like I would, if I could get away with it. Right. Yeah. Um, but to me, he's like a dear friend that I know intimately that I could never meet in person. Yeah. Right. I don't feel like I get to create things about him to me, he's so fleshed out that it's almost a problem. Mm. Um, I remember going through edits on book one and book two, and there were different times. I have a brilliant editor at Tyndale named Sarah risky and she'd propose things. But in my mind, I was like, no, he red wouldn't do that. He wouldn't say that. And it felt so wrong for me to force that. You know what I mean? Like, cause I knew like in my heart, that's not what he would do. Uh. And so it's almost a problem that he's so fleshed out in my mind. I don't feel like I have a lot of creative control. He's very real. Um, so I knew I wanted to be a storyteller. That character always stuck with me. And so here we are. It was like 15 years later. I was like, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what he looks like as an adult. And um, I sat down and, and wrote Fields of Fire. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Making it happen. I love it. And yeah. are you uh, are you going to continue books by at the same time? And how hard is oh, it yeah. to juggle both and everything else you have you have going on? So, so yeah, and I, I still work, uh, basically full-time as an editor, as a freelance editor with authors. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I've sort of dialed back on that so I can still devote time and resources to the book spot. Yeah. yeah I can't give that up because I love it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I really love, um, and I, and I'm going to read your books and Brad's books and Kyle's books and Mark's books anyways. Like I might as well right. get out there and be talk able to about talk about them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you listen to some of them? Is that how you, you do it? Is that how you get through a lot of these? Like while you're doing other things? Yeah. Um, well, if do you, combo? Do you go back and forth. Me, yeah. Do you go back and yeah, forth? So, there, so, so if there's a new author to me, right? Like, and I don't know their full backlist. Yeah. Then I will buy them on audible to get caught up on the series. Okay. Cause I really don't like reviewing something if I'm not caught up on the series. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. I think yeah. to offer your take on it. Agreed. So, um, no, uh, because the audiobooks aren't, you know, they're not done yet. You, I get these so early. Got um, it. okay. 
that I, but I, but I can generally go through a whole book in like four and a half hours. If I'm just sitting there and no one needs me and I can shut the world out, you know, I can just sit there and just read it as fast as I can about four and a half hours. So when I was writing book two, I also was down with COVID for like a long time. You had it, you got hit hard. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was a lot. I still, by the way, I still don't have taste. None. Yeah. So, um, it's been like a long time. Uh, I, people were like, are you done with the book spy? Are you stepping away? And then it kind of like broke my heart. People were like, Hey, you're an author now. So you gave that up. And I was like, not at all. I'm just, I got to get healthy. I got to get my schedule back. And so now it's been awesome. Cause I'm really back into the full swing of things Yeah, or I'm back to like a book a day, you know, oh, that wow. I get to read. And, and, um, for me, the thrill is I think I get like six books a day on average from publishers. No way. Yeah. Do you keep them all? Do you have a, like, do you, where do you, where do you put them all? Cause I'm getting a lot as well. And we're trying to figure out, play. I'm building a library luckily, oh, but so like, where do you, where I, are you keeping these things? So I didn't know how to dispose of them for a long time. Like when you're done, cause like it says like you can't sell them. And I took that very seriously and I didn't know what to do. So I actually took out a storage unit a couple of years ago nice. that has like just arcs in it. Wow. Uh, the advanced reader copies and galleys. Um, when they come in, I have like a triage system over there to my right. There's, there's two big bookshelves. Okay. And I have like one shelf and it's like the guys I know I'm covering, mm-hmm. right? Your books come in, Kyle, Daniel Silva, mm-hmm. people like that. I immediately put them up there. Cause I know I'm a huge fan. That's a fit for my audience. I'm going to get to those quick. Yeah. And then I have by, uh, organized by, by pub date. So I do this thing where I go through and I'll read the first chapter of every book that I get the okay. second I get it. Oh, wow. Okay. And if it grabs me, I have a third shelf where I'll put it on that. Mm. And I'm like, I need to investigate this because the biggest thrill in the world for me is when I hit on something that no one else has really read yet. Yeah. Like, like this really happened with terminal list. You know, I was like, this one's going to be special. Uh People don't know about it yet. That's, I love that when I get to go to get out there and help tell readers, like you need to check this book out. That's the biggest thrill for me. And then I'm always nervous. Like the night before the book comes out, I'm like, I hope I was right. I hope they like this book, you know, (laughs) I'm all nervous about it. Right. Um, and so that's, that's my process. You know, that's what I do. And, um, to feel back into my normal schedule with that is great. Yeah. That's awesome. And has anybody ever gotten mad at you for, uh, for a review? Like, Oh oh, yeah. 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 So (laughs) one of my favorite things is everyone's like, Ryan, you only do nice reviews. That's not true, but I have a philosophy. It doesn't help me, the author or the reader. If I tell you what books not to read. Yeah. And, it, and it's subjective. It, it's, it's so it, it, subjective. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't think I'm the person that should say this book's not good. How, and I have too much respect for authors that sit down and yeah. crank out a hundred thousand words. I don't want to be the guy that's like, this book sucks. Right. So my process is this dismissed with a few words, chapter. you know, like everyone else can do on <laughs> Amazon, you know, yeah. whether they read it or not. <laughs> and if a book's that bad, I'm not reading it. So I can tell if a book's that bad. So I do, I have a process. If it's that bad in the first 50 pages, I'm out. 50, five, zero. Yeah. I'm done. If I can't tell, I'll give that a hundred pages. Now, once I hit a hundred pages, if it's bad, you're getting, you're getting a lukewarm to bad review. Okay. Or do you ever just like, I'm not going to review this one because it's, I don't want to like, it's just not nice to, I can't say anything nice. Like, what everyone's yeah. grandmother told them. Hey, if you don't have yeah. anything nice to say about was, someone, don't say anything at all, which is yes, hundred percent. But I, I early, early on, I was like, I'm not afraid to write a bad review as long as it's honest. 
And there was one author who disagreed wholeheartedly. Uh, we had like a big, we had like a big promotional thing with them and, and we're giving away copies of signed books with them. I could, I could ask you who out. I could ask you who, but I, but I already know. And I know we shouldn't say. <laughs> yeah, it did not go well. <laughs> Their publisher, like the very next day was like, yeah, so they're furious. We're going to cancel the giveaways oh, and everything. Geez. And, uh, I, of course I felt like that was, I felt like it was very, a fair review. And you yeah. want to know the truth. Like three years later, they reached out to me and they were like, that was a really fair review. That the was not did. my best book. The author, yeah. yeah. The author did. Yeah. I would not say we're friends, but that made the situation better. You know, got it. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Uh, because let's be honest. I think you can tell, I mean, look as writers, we all know when you're in the zone, you know, when, and, and they had to have known this, this book was a mess, man. Mm. I mean, it was just a mess. And then like halfway through the book, they stopped using quotation marks. Oh, so you couldn't tell what was internal dialogue, what was spoken dialogue, what was narrative. Like I didn't even know what was happening anymore. That's odd. And I was like, you know what? That's tough. I'm going to point out the flaws on this one because yeah. they were big enough. I thought readers should know. Yeah. Right. And you have to be honest. You have to, I think you, you carry no weight as a critic. If you're just a fanboy and you're not honest. Right. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's tough though. That's tough. Especially if you have like a series author that you like and then one comes out that's not good and you're like oh yeah i try not to review them then yeah. uh this happened to me recently and um it was not this year so i, I don't Got people it. are gonna try to figure this out it they was won't. not this year but there was there was one last year and i just skipped it and i was like no one will notice because there's no win here for me yeah i love the author to death the book was not good if i cover it it's just there's no win here so I didn't. And I feel like that made more noise than if I would have just gave it a lukewarm review. Interesting. Interesting. Everyone's like, are you mad at so-and-so or did they not like you? Did that, you know, and I was like, no, that wasn't it at all. I just, you said I had COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, How long has this yeah. guy had COVID? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was down with it for like a long time. So, that, <laughs> so you that, could that use that. Helped. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely yeah. use that as well. Oh man. And then uh writing process. So now by putting all this time into two books, one that is out when this podcast drops, the other one that will be coming out next year. Um, mm -hmm. do, has that changed the way you review books at all? Or is it um, uh, like as far as uh, just respect for how much work that goes into it now? Has that yeah, shifted that's anything? Yeah, that's the big one, man. Yeah. I, I've always respected what it takes to write a book, but I have like a newfound appreciation, mm -hmm. especially for the people who have done it. Like you look at longevity. So- I love to point this out. Uh, Brad Thor is 20 books into that series. Mm -hmm. And I, I would argue that his books today are better than his early books. Mm -hmm. So he's getting stronger 20 years in 20 books in with this character. That's unprecedented. <clears throat> and I know people are like, well, Clancy wrote a lot and I'm not bad mouthing the Godfather of the genre here. Clancy kind of lost the magic at a certain point. You can look at his career and look at the best of his books and then kind of like a downslide. Brad doesn't have that. Brad Thor is at the top of his game. Daniel Silva owns the spy thriller genre right now. There's nobody better. And he's 20 books in. Yeah. Um, I would love to know what Vince would be writing today if he were still alive. Rest in peace. Right. Yeah. But um, he didn't get that chance. So when, when you look at the people that are doing it at such a high level for that long, I'm, I got done with book two and I was like, so hard. <laughs> like, I was like, how do I ever try to top that with a third one? Yeah. And I start plotting out books three, four, and five. And I was like, this is so hard. And Brad <laughs> is like, 
here's rising tiger. And I read it and I'm like, this is one of his best books. Like, how do you do that? Um, and so I have so much more appreciation for people that have done it this long. Yeah. We've never seen it in our genre. Like this is all new. We don't know how long these series can go at that level. Right. Um, they're in uncharted waters. And I love that. I love getting to see the Silva's, the Thor's, um, Lee child, a bunch of authors. I mean, 20 books in, I mean, you're five books in now. Uh, six, right six right now, right in six right now. Mark Graney yeah, is I'm on, sure you're uh, get there. is Mark Graney 11 or 12 with gray man? I think he's yeah, right. Burner is going to be 12, two. right? Yeah, I think so. I think burner is 12 yeah. and he's another one. I mean, he's pro Mark makes me feel like a failure all the time because it's incredible. He's, it's incredible. It, he's done two books a year incredible. for a long time. And those a two books time. are almost each one of them is almost two books for a regular. I was just going to say that, you know, one is so a, essentially it's like four essentially. Yeah. yeah. I don't At know least three. Word, if you put the words together. Oh, it's more than three. I don't know what your word count is. Fields of fire was like 120,000. So it was a That's little solid. bit bigger than industry standard, which is right around a hundred thousand words. Uh, book two is as well. And I was looking at that the other day thinking a lot of those Clancy's come in at like 170, 180 or, but I'm like, how do they, you might as well just make it two books. Like that is so big. <laughs> yeah. And, um, for Mark, yeah, he's such a prolific writer with how much he can crank out. And he's, he's another one, you know, that yeah, we're watching. I don't think we've seen the best from him yet. Yep. I've heard you say that before. I agree. Yeah. And he's, I don't think and everything's seen... awesome. Like I love everything that he, he does. Such an awesome, great person. Um, but he's writing like two books in one, like my longest one I'm looking over here. Uh, so I can look at the spine. So the devil's hand is my longest. I think it was about 135 if I yeah. if memory serves. So that was the, that was the longest uh, true believer was the longest before that with like 128, 230, something, something like that. Um, but yeah, I like, I like, like if I'm thinking about it, if I'm looking, uh, you know, mm -hmm. once I get to about 115, I'm like, okay, I feel okay. You know, I, I can start refining that. this. I can start, you know, I, I like that number as far as uh word count goes. I, I did that with, uh, fields of fire when it got above a hundred thousand, I was a little bit worried. At its peak, it was like 127, and I cut it down to like 120. But I remember saying to, to my agent, uh, John Talbot, I said, John, like, is that going to be a problem? And he goes, you know what? You can have a book above 100,000 words as long as it doesn't feel like it. There it is. And that advice stuck with me forever. Yep. So it was like pacing is king. Um, and I think when you look at um, the industry and how it's evolved, you ever go back and look at the early Clancy's now? Oh yeah. I got a whole shelf up there in the library. And, and so they, they really hold up. But the thing that yeah. strikes me is 40 page chapters. Yeah. We could never do that today. Yeah. I mean, you imagine if you handed boom, Emily Bessler boom. 40 page chapters, it'd be I like have some long ones, you know, she's never asked me to make one longer or one shorter, um, which is really cool. And I, cause I hear different things from other, other authors out there, but she's like, never, we've never had a conversation about uh, me changing something. All, all her edits content wise are all, Hey, I, a little more explanation on this, I think like that sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, Oh, okay. Got it. Um, but never like, Hey, you know what? You need to shorten this up. It's too long. I have some long ones and then I have some short ones and I've heard of authors talking about, Hey, I'm trying to, you know, really, uh, make these shorter chapters. So people, cause I saw what so-and-so did and it seems to be working and people like that today. And I don't do that. I'm not chasing any of that. I'm just trying to tell a good story. And I never 
think about, oh, I want these chapters to be shorter because it seems like today people's attention spans are, yeah. uh, you know, are not as robust perhaps as they once were because of TikTok and social and all the rest of it. We're competing but for the attention yeah. like never before. But I never think about, uh, you know, that might make me a little different than some out there uh, in that I, I just want to tell a good story. And if that chapter does end up being 45 pages, it's going to go in Emily at 45 pages. And if it's a page and a half, then that's what it's going to, it's going to be. It's all about the story. Uh, not necessarily about what's going to keep, uh, this read. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the story. I'm not thinking about anything else other than that. So, um, and to that end, I don't think you have a single 40 page chapter that feels like 40 pages. No, you. you know what I mean? I think we can get away with it if it reads fast and it holds the reader's attention. I think there's more of an emphasis now, at least, at least for me, both as an editor and a writer in how we transition those chapters. Yeah. Well, you I know, love that. That's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, if you can pull the reader from one to the next, uh, we know, we know most people that. don't stop reading mid chapter, right? Yeah. They're like, I call it getting into the cycle. Mm. And so when I'm writing, that's what I think about is I want to keep this, this person up all night. That's my goal. So we know most people read before bed, not everyone, but like the people who read daily, it's usually a predetermined amount of time they allocate before bed. So they have like an hour. So I look at it as like, I'm on the clock when they start reading fields of fire. Uh, I want them to get, you know, into that cycle where they go, Oh gosh, it's, it's time for bed. Let me just finish this chapter. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully I'm going to end that in a way that you have to turn the page and get sucked right back in. And then you start doing the, all right, let me just finish this chapter. Yeah. All right. Let me just finish this chapter. One, one more and then I'm going to bed and hopefully you keep them up all night long, you know? Yeah. And so I love doing the chapter transitions. I love writing, uh, the endings, uh, like the final sentence, you know, I think it's so important because yep. it leads to the next book. Um, just like the end of a chapter leads to the next chapter, but I love those. I, I, that's really fun for me. That's one of my, one of my favorite things. I love every part I, though. I love every part of the process. So you, you touch on the ending. That's the first chapter I write uh, of every book so far. Um, I write the last, and look, it changes when I get to it. Right. But I write that last chapter first so that when I start at the beginning, I just write till I get there. That's how I know when I'm done. And that to me is like a built-in mechanism to never rush the ending. Nice. I never feel like, you know, oh gosh, I'm at a hundred thousand words. Let's wrap this book up. Like right. I don't get that feeling. I can just sort of write up until I get to that point, And then I know I'm done when I reach it. Um, and it, it, I've done that both times now and I sort of tweak it when I get there. Uh, and both, both books set up the next one. Yeah. You know, I think we're I like always, that. we're always trying to do that. Um, and I will say one of the, the cool things that we did with book two, uh, the last two words of book two is the title for book three. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We That's hit cool. on that. Um, very clever. Very clever. I like it. Yeah. Tried, tried to nail that. So I do, I think about that stuff all the time, but man, it's um, writing process wise. It's uh, it's not an easy thing. You know that. And it's a grind. I think you have good days and bad days as a writer, which I think a lot of people don't understand. I think they think if you have like the talent to write, you can just do it at any time. And there's maybe some truth to that, but, it's like anything in life. You get in the zone. You're better at it certain days. And, and with six children, I am sure that uh, yeah, as soon as you close yeah. the door to your office, they're not like, oh, dad's working. <laughs> it's no. like a magnet when you close the door. And for six, not I have three, you have six. Uh, the interruptions are really what get me. It's, uh, it's like, oh, like that, like I have to just have quiet. And I don't care if I'm looking at a blank white wall. Um, I used to go to the library and rent one of those, uh, not rent, sign up for one of those little um, study yep. rooms that they have at the library. But then I kept getting booted out for a kid working on a, you know, a high school get out kid working on a history project because you could only be in there two hours or something if someone was waiting. Yep. Um, but I can just have a blank wall. I don't need a great view or anything like that. I just need 
quiet and no I need I need quiet. No I write from ten to midnight, mm. ten p.m. to midnight. That's when I write. Um, and I believe in like I have to know what I'm writing to be productive. I can't sit down and go, hmm, what, are, what am I going to do? What should I write today? Yeah, so right? you outline like, then. So no, not not really. Mm. Uh, in fact, I'll t- you know it was really funny. So you'll appreciate this. I didn't know there's a payment tied to the outline for most authors Um, or turning in a summary or synopsis, something that has to be approved. Hmm. So I don't don't have that one. Thank goodness. Okay. So, so for book two, I was like, I'm not going to do an outline. And um, my agent calls and was like, so you have a payment tied to that. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to do an outline. And I was like, I don't know. I can't outline. My brain doesn't work that way. And so he said, just write me like a page and a half. And, and I, I did that, man. And I, I really remember thinking there's no way Tyndale's going to cut me a check. Mm. For, and, and they did. They were like, okay, go write it. Mm. Um, I do this thing where all day long, I think about what's going to happen today. What's the chapter that needs to be written today? And I can't sit down to write it till I can see the whole thing in my head. Mm. So once it plays like a movie in my head, I can write it. And, um, that's when I sit down. It's usually in the dark. It's quiet. My kids are asleep and I can just start banging that out. And then when I'm falling asleep, I start thinking about, Oof, all right, got that done. What about tomorrow? Nice. I get up, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm in the shower eating breakfast. I'm thinking about what's the scene today. Yeah. And so that's, I literally take it one day at a time. I believe in like one chapter a day. You do that for two months. You have a first draft. Yeah. You know, and it's not a good draft, but it doesn't need to be. I think that's the other thing. Certainly I have learned as an editor and now as a writer, just, you can fix the bad pages. You can't fix the blank ones. Just get the story out and you can find it in there, you know? And so I'm a believer in that. I I believe in trusting the process of that. Um, And so when I'm having a bad day as a writer, I know that I do the best I can. And it's like, I can come back and fix it later. Right. Let's just get this out and we can fix it later. Don't be afraid to write a bad chapter. Like just no. And also, you know, I'm not afraid to like lean on my editor, you know? Um, she's one of the best in the business for a reason. And there's so many things that like she catches, you know, that I don't where she's like, you know, you have more room here to explore this. Why don't you, why don't you put more here or, Hey, you know, in the last book, you had a callback to something you want to throw that in there now. And I'm like, gosh, like I should have saw that too. So I think learning to, uh, you know, get, get an editor that you trust, whether it's you're, you're hiring a freelance before you have a publisher or, you know, one you sign that book deal. I think it's an important question. Like, who's the editor assigned to this? And I think some authors don't always know to ask that when they're new to the business, Mm. right? Um, They're just so excited to sign the contract. That is a really big step in this. Who's, who's working with you. That's huge. And um, like, like you kind of said, like, I know for, for a fact, well, probably not you because like you've reached that level of success where no one's going to tell you what to write. But like early on, if it wasn't Emily Bessler and you turned in a 40 page chapter, I, I know exactly what editors in this business would have been like, no, you need to cut this into two, yeah. you know? And they all have their, so I think it's an important thing is, right. is that, that, that excitement of signing a book deal. Don't get me wrong. That's great. But the business mindset needs to kick in quick and who are you working with? And I think that's a, that's a big step there. Uh, I got, I mean, Emily is amazing. Emily Bessler and that complete yeah. creative control the entire time. And a lot of people are shocked when I say, when I say that they're like, Hey, doesn't your agent, uh, did they give you advice or give you like anything, or does your editor tell you what you should do next time, maybe, or lighten up on some of this stuff? Or put, no, no one, no one suggests anything, which is great. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is great because then you don't feel tied to it. So I love that because then I'm not like I, I don't have the 
the politics of relationships in my head, meaning I don't have to say, oh, my agent's awesome, but she said to do this and I recommended this. Oh, gosh, do I have to kind of do that now? Because, uh, and so I don't have that at all. That's not yeah. wasting any bandwidth or, wow, Emily's amazing. And she wants me to do this next and I don't really want to, or it doesn't feel right. That's not there, the zero. So I, I love having complete creative control. And I've had that from the very beginning, which is, um, which is for, for me is uh, very liberating. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and that I can do anything and then it all falls on you too. And then you have to have, you know, you have that ownership of it if it doesn't work out, I guess. But, uh, but for me, it's, it was very freeing to, to have that freedom. But a uh, question for you before I, before I let you go, a couple of, a couple things. Yeah. Um, do, I, I've heard from some people that authors at some point end up despising their protagonist because they feel like they're tied to this person. And I, I don't feel that way. Uh, obviously yeah. I love my protagonist and I think you have to you know, to spend so much time with this person, uh, that, uh, you better like your protagonist. Um, have you heard that from anybody? Have you heard that from any, any authors? Yeah. I'm, but not necessarily in those terms. Like, um, so Maybe one despise of was too much. It was, was too strong. No, 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 no. Or they I, feel I, like they can't do something else. Maybe that's probably them. a better way or something. Can't escape. Yes. That I've heard a lot where they're like, mm. Oh, I, I have all these other book ideas and I can't write them cause no one cares. Mm. They want, but then there's funny ones. Like, yeah, I'm sure you've, you ever heard Mark Graney talk about how he wishes he would have had a cooler name than Cortland Gentry? <laughs> Court Gentry? Uh, yeah. I know. I, I should ask him. He was just uh, on the podcast, so I should. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he told me. He told me that once in an interview. I think it's on the book spot. You can actually find that. Where I, I yeah. asked him about it, and he was like, "I don't know. It just." He was like, "I, I, I, I if I go back and change it, I probably would." It's yeah, um, a good and one. That I think. Shocked me. Yeah. I love the name Court Gentry. It's, it's um, good. I don't feel that way at all. I feel like, um, so earlier when I said red is like this close personal friend that I could never meet. Mm. I really enjoy learning what he'll do in certain situations. I, I have a very, I feel like it's a unique relationship with him where I had to do some stuff to him in book two. I don't want to give that away, but it was like, I knew it was going to hurt him. You know what I mean? Like you have to do these things where, you know, um, there was like a really heavy scene. This is so funny to talk about. So, I knew I had to do something. I knew it was going to kill him. And I couldn't bring myself to write it. I remember I, I got up and had to pace around and I was like, I don't want to like, there's gotta be a way out. Right. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like you're there. You're the creator. You can go another direction. And I was like, no, nope, it has to happen. I got to do it. And so I wrote it in and I knew it crushed. It crushed me, you know? And I was like, now we have to deal with this kind of together. So look, I'm only two books in, so I don't have that issue, but it is funny when I hear other authors talk about, you know what? Yeah. Okay. This brings up something that my agent told me one time, we talked about this exactly. And I remember he said to me, if you launch with a series, you're stuck with that character. And I said, so you're telling me the worst case scenario is the books are so successful. This is all <laughs> anyone wants from me. And I have to keep writing Matthew red <laughs> sign yeah, me up. Right. Like I was in, yeah, right? that's a problem I uh, want. Yeah. I want that problem. Um, uh, so but it is funny. Yeah. I know other authors feel trapped. Like mm. they want to go write other stuff. That's not right for their characters, but they yeah. feel like people don't want that from them. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I've heard that a little bit. I don't have that problem. I love, uh, I love writing these books. Uh, I love every yeah. part of the process. I'm going to get back into book six uh, a little later today here. Um, but uh, are you, do you have another website now then too, for the author side of the house and then real books by as well? What, what do you have? What's going on there? So no, not yet because, okay. um, it was so tricky. Like the branding on this, like, yeah. who am I? Yeah. Right. Like that was a real thing that we had to sit and talk about. 
do I want to not be the book spy anymore? Do I want to be separate from that? So what we did is we put like all my author stuff in its own section on the real Perfect. Okay. I just felt like it, that is me, right? Like that, that is me, that that's who I am. Uh, it made more sense to keep it there for now. And, and I'm sure as look, if, if the books are a success and I get to keep writing them, will we have a separate website and stuff? I'm sure. But for right now, it made sense to just kind of keep it all under one house. There it is. Realbooksby.com. Check yeah. it out. Awesome. Hey, well, congratulations. I mean, that is amazing that, uh, that this book is out there. The second one is done. You're working on a third about to go on book tour. Uh, people can find you at real books by, they can find you and engage with you on Twitter and on Twitch, on Twitch, on Twitch, the community yep. on Twitch. That's uh, which is great. I love seeing people adapt. Um, to a, uh, to a changing environment and evolving environment. So I love that. And thank you so much for all your support. I mean, out of the gate, like I said, those blurbs that you, uh, that you wrote for me, uh, they mean so much to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough for all that. Oh, I like to be able to tell people, first of all, I mean, it's such a pleasure to cover your work. And I was probably one of the first ever big Jack Carr fans, uh, just because I had the pleasure of getting it before most people did. Uh, and I'm such a fan of this podcast, by the way, it was like very intimidating to come on. Cause I'm like your least famous person that you've ever had on by like a long shot. <laughs> no, okay? come on. So I was like, Oh man, like at least like other people come on, people know who they are. They're gonna be like, who the hell is this guy? Hey, um, no, so, no, don't know. I mean, people know you, so, people know you. And, uh, now more people will know you, especially now that this book is out there even more. So, uh, I'm just excited for everything that you have going on. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't wait to get my hardcover. I'm looking forward to it on pub day. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get you signed one. Perfect. Perfect. Then I'll have two. <laughs> awesome, man. Take care. Thank you. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Navy Federal Credit Union. I've been a member since 1996. That is my first year in the military. And right now, when you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. That's why they created a fully loaded car buying experience. I bought cars and motorcycles using it in the past. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all from one convenient place. They have pre-approval that's good for 90 days. So you know what you can afford while you shop. They also offer great auto loan rates. You can shop for new and used cars with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by true car. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, SiriusXM, and more. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash car buying. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Check them out. NavyFederal.org. I want to thank my friends at Black Rifle Coffee for sponsoring the Danger Close podcast. I've been a huge fan for the longest time. Drink Black Rifle Coffee every day. And if you keep your eyes peeled, you will notice that perhaps Chris Pratt is wearing a Black Rifle Coffee t-shirt, not unsimilar to this one, in the Amazon series adaptation of The Terminal List. Now you can go to blackriflecoffee.com slash dangerclose and use code dangerclose 20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Black Rifle Coffee, America's Coffee. Keep crushing.
time to get mountain tough. Make America tough again right there on the shirt. You know when you go to the gym and you don't know what workouts to do? I hate that. With Mountain Tough, they have created the most functional fitness programs ever designed, all delivered to your phone. Created by veteran Navy SEALs and Army Rangers, they make it convenient to go to the gym, do the prescribed workout, and get in the best shape of your life physically and mentally. As you know, if you've been following me for a while, I've been doing a lot more typing than I've been doing running or lifting or doing any functional type fitness. So this is how I'm going to get back after it. Mountain Tough. Plus, they're awesome guys. Uh, I've met them down here. We did a little uh, podcast type interview together and they are awesome. Solid crew. So that's what I'm going to be doing. And increase mental toughness, build muscle, improve endurance anytime, anywhere from any mobile device. Thousands of hours of testing on dedicated mountain hunters, first responders, and military personnel programs for everyone. Those who hit the gym and heavy weights, those who like to work out at home with no gear at all. Guidance for beginner, intermediate, and elite athletes. The right nudge from the right person at the right time can change your destiny. And regardless of your age or circumstances, I am nudging you to start today as I know the Mountain Tough programs and Mountain Tough community will enable you to become the best version of yourself. Mountain Tough, that is M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H, is offering Danger Close listeners 20% off all their online training programs and apparel with the code DANGERCLOSE at mtntough.com. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. All right, officialjackar.com hit shop. What's there? Well, these cutting boards. And uh, there's a few options up there. These are from a rough cut woodworks. And these things are awesome, solid crew over there. And go check them out officialjackcar.com and hit that shop button. Lots of other stuff on there too. What goes well with cutting boards? Mm, blades right here. So these are from New West Knife Works. And if you've heard me talk about New West Knife Works before, love their stuff, been using them for years. But more recently, I got this block that obviously has some magnets in it. Thought this looks really cool and it's a good way to store these knives. They're in Park City, they're in St. Helena, California, they are in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and they Make them in Victor, Idaho. So go check them out. NewWestKnifeWorks.com. And what pairs well with that? Well, KC Cattle Company. So KC Cattle Company, they sponsored the Terminal List podcast. And that's where I jumped on with David Agilio, who is the showrunner, and my friend Jared Shaw, who is the guy who handed the book to Chris Pratt. And that's the reason that the show exists on Amazon. So we broke down every episode and went behind the scenes, got to tell some stories and Casey Cattle Company sponsored that podcast. So go check it out. Uh, it's the Terminal List podcast. And I went to Normandy this past year and we brought 23 World War II veterans back to Normandy in June for D-Day commemoration events. And two of them mentioned to me that they had never had a filet. And so I got on the horn with Casey Cattle Company, let them know. Casey Cattle Company is veteran-owned and operated, and they sent two huge care packages to these guys full with a bunch of stuff, and then they followed that up with two more boxes full of fillets. So uh, thank you, Casey Cattle Company, for doing that. Those two guys just uh, could not have been more fired up about it. They called me, and we're so thankful. And, uh, man, I, I know we're all thankful for them for what they did. And both of those guys who mentioned that to me, they – uh, got back from World War II and they got to work, worked into their 90s. But to get into World War II, they both lied about their age. 
So they were too young, yet they lied, and so they could go to war and fight for their country. So uh, thank you, Casey Cuddle Cattle Company, for doing that. That was uh, just super cool above and beyond. And you can go to Casey Cattle Company and put in caseycattlecompany.com slash jackcar and use the code jackcar15, J-A-C-K-C-A-R-R-1-5. And there's a terminal list collection on there. So definitely go check out Kansas City Cattle Company. What else do I have today? Ah, the Peninsula Kelp Company, Wild Ocean Greens. This is really cool. And uh, this is from Ireland. I use this on steaks. It is awesome. So kind of goes with what we're talking about here. A little olive oil and then this right here, Wild Ocean Greens. And you can go to PeninsulaKelpCO.com and check out what they have. But this is like my favorite, I don't know if you call it a spice or whatever, but it's uh, it's awesome. And so check them out, really cool stuff and great group of people too. And then you wanna wash that stuff down, look at this. Did you know that there is Chuck Norris water? Well, there is right here, Sea Force water. This comes from Chuck Norris's ranch in Texas. Amazing. If you drink this, I don't know what's gonna happen, but uh, it's gonna be good, so. Check that out. Obviously, Chuck Norris, legend. All right, that is it for today. Thanks so much. Catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about Ryan Steck, go to therealbookspy.com and follow him on Twitter at therealbookspy and get Fields of Fire, his debut novel, which is out right now. You can follow me at Jack Carr USA on the social channels, officialjackcar.com. That is the website. You can sign up for the newsletter there. You can also click on shop for the merch. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to subscribe. Take care out there. Be safe, stay strong, keep fighting. In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels, mm. you know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What are box you, do you fit in? Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy or <laughs> right, right. An How, uh, Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.